I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. So you're in a restaurant. Great meal. The bill comes and it's got a surprise. An unexpected $10 charge because, well, it turns out your entree required a special ingredient the server forgot to mention. Would you pay it? Would you expect to have to pay it? Now look at healthcare. You go to the emergency room. They take your insurance only. It turns out your in-network ER is being staffed by out-of-network providers. Suddenly, in addition to the surprise of having landed in the ER in the first place, you've got thousands of dollars in surprise medical costs. What you wouldn't stand for in a restaurant, though, can happen any day in an emergency room. And New Hampshire Senator Maggie Hassan wants to do something about it. Senator Hassan has introduced a bill, the No More Medical Surprises Act. As you'll hear, her legislation aims not only to protect patients from outrageous bills that suddenly land folks deep in medical debt, but she also borrows from baseball to find a market-based solution to the problem. And no, that solution doesn't involve using a baseball bat, though I bet she wishes it could. While I had Senator Hassan on for the conversation, I also wanted to ask her about another important and divisive issue that, like health care, went to the heart of the recent midterm elections, border security and immigration. Senator Hassan sits on the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, and I wanted to know, do Democrats have a clear message on immigration and the border? In our extraordinarily partisan times, is it reasonable to hope for agreement on a health care bill? What about immigration? You'll want to hear Senator Hassan's answers. But before we begin, thank you to everyone who's made Political Wire Conversations a five-star rated podcast on iTunes. Several more of you rated and reviewed it, and it makes a big difference. So if you like these conversations, you know the ask. I'd appreciate if you'd take a moment, go to iTunes, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. Of course, by now, you also know the parallel ask. If you don't like the conversations, well, thanks for still listening, but please just forget that whole rate review thing. Okay, that's it. Here's my conversation with Senator Maggie Hassan. Senator Hassan, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Chris. So there are plenty of current events, of course, to talk about. And uh, if we get a chance, I do want to ask you about a couple of those. But I really want to start with health care, because I heard yep. about your bill, No More Surprise Medical Bills Act of 2018. We're almost done with 2018, but we got to stop med- surprise medical bills in 2019 as well. So what is the bill and why is it needed? Well, so I have been hearing from constituents for a while now, and certainly uh, I've had family members who've had the same experience. You go to an emergency room, let's say, uh, and you believe you're going to your local hospital that you've that's in your insurance coverage network, and you get treated, and you all of a sudden get a bill uh, because some of the treatment you got from somebody you never saw, uh, let's say a radiology technician or a lab technician, wasn't considered in-network. And so I had a constituent who on a Saturday night cut his finger while he was cooking, went to his local emergency room in-network hospital, and ended up with a bill for $3,500 for his cut finger because one of the treating providers wasn't in the network. So what this bill would do is just take the patient, the consumer, out of this dispute between an insurance company and a provider about how much the provider's going to get paid. And that's really uh, what is at the root of this. It would just say that if you go to an emergency room for emergency care, the most you can get charged is what you would get charged for in-network services. And if you're going to a provider for 
elective care, if there's going to be anybody from out of network providing your care, you get advance notice of that and have to consent to it so that people won't get these bills, which can be absolutely um, fiscally devastating. Yeah, and, and you really, you just hit on the two parts of it as, you know, from my reading of it. One is the high level, which is how in the world can you go in, can anyone go into the hospital and end up with a massive multi-thousand dollar surprise? You know, we, right. you know, you go many places and, you know, some certain items, a small item might end up on a bill that you didn't expect, but, you know, not for $3,500 or $10,000 or whatever the cost might be. So Yeah, no, I, I've, I've had constituents tell me about $18,000 surprise charges. Yeah. yeah. You know. I, I mean, uh, I, I, and, I get and, angry. And some and, higher. I, I would imagine so. And we all get, you know, frustrated, you know, go to a restaurant and have the wrong entree put on your bill. And, you know, you get a little frustrated on that. And, you know, that yeah. runs, you know, seven, ten, twenty dollars, whatever it is. The, the second part, and this is kind of the, 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 the workings of the bill. And it's one of the parts that people are noticing. And that, that's the baseball arbitration model. You kind of hinted right. at it, but I want to follow up on it. Now, first, I'm assuming this is, isn't just because I, I assume you're a Red Sox fan and, and they won the World Series. So it's not just about you rubbing that in, you know, doing the whole baseball. <laughs> Right. Although, although, as a Red Sox fan, I would be happy to rub that in, <laughs> but uh, you are right. It is because base, professional baseball has an arbitration system that one could apply here. So uh, if you're going to take the patient out of this dispute, yeah. you're left with an insurance company and a health care provider. And the healthcare provider is saying, I'm not in your network. I expect out-of-network payment here. Uh, pay me what my charges are. And the insurance company says, uh, as they often do, your charges, dear provider, are outrageous. And uh, what this arbitration system would do, this baseball-style arbitration, is say that the provider and the insurance company both get to make a single offer as to what they think a reasonable payment for this care is. And then the arbitrator picks one of those two. They can't go back and forth with counter offers. Yeah. And the reason this is used in baseball uh, is that it incentivizes both parties to come up with a reasonable offer to begin with. And what we know right now is that with high health care costs, the health care costs really just seem completely um, separated from actual market forces. And what this bill is trying to do is get both the insurer and the provider to be reasonable, first to see if they can solve it without an arbitrator in the middle of it, but secondly, uh, to really try to get them to uh, propose reasonable solutions to this. So uh, we try to do our part in this bill to change this upward trend of healthcare costs. Now, I, and I haven't seen this pushback, but I would imagine because it's a terrific idea, right? And you're, you're trying to solve for there's a, there's a market failure in a sense. If you have a system that allows for, you know, surprise bills of multiple thousands of dollars, I mean, that just seems like a market that isn't working. So you, you, you are trying to create a system around that. I would think perhaps, is there pushback? You know, come on, Senator Hassan, great idea, but how it's a little impractical. How many arbitrators can you get? You know, big bureaucracy. Would that be a pushback to your proposal? Well, I, I, I think that that is the way some folks are trying to push back. I think yeah. what I would point out is that there are uh, 
private arbitrators who could be easily certified uh, by state or federal government. Uh, there are already private arbitrators out there and people who could be certified. This isn't about setting up any new kind of bureaucracy. It's just saying to these uh, entities, uh, look, we're taking the consumer out of this. You guys have to solve this problem. And if you can't solve this problem, you'll get a list of uh, certified uh, arbitrators who you can turn to. And what the law says is you'll each give your suggested solution to that arbitrator and that arbitrator will pick one. That's not very complicated. Businesses do this all the time. Yeah. And it would be a way, again, it, it, to your bigger point, the healthcare market isn't like any other market. Consumers who really, they're patients, they're not just consumers, uh, don't uh, generally make value decisions the way they do about other things, partly because the market has failed in this area so significantly that often providers can't give patients advance notice of what the actual, what the procedure is actually going to cost. They can't even identify it. And so if you call around uh, to a bunch of different hospitals and say, hey, if I have uh, my knee replaced at your hospital, what will it cost? In many parts of the country, they can't tell you. And so what we really need to be doing, again, is taking the consumer out of the middle of this uh, and really putting pressure on our providers uh, to begin to be able to reasonably quantify their costs and give them incentives uh, to provide not only high quality care, but lower cost care as well. What's the reaction been? I'm sure constituents, uh, I would think constituents are supportive of it, but what about the industry? What about providers and insurance companies? What, what are they telling you about it? Well, I, I certainly think that they understand why consumers and patients are upset by these surprise medical bills. So the good news is that there is bipartisan concern over this issue, and I think uh, all stakeholders understand that concern. And certainly I've heard from the business community uh, that they understand the concern and are, 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 would like to address it as well. Uh, it the, the, the most significant kind of pushback I'm getting is on uh, the system for resolving the dispute between the insurer and the provider. And one of the things that I hope this bill will also do is provide more incentives for providers to become members of networks, because then they would, in fact, know ahead of time uh, what payment they're going to get. Right now, what does happen sometimes is, you know, for instance, the constituent I talked about with the $3,500 bill he ended up negotiating that charge down um, once he called uh, the hospital involved. Um, so it isn't even entirely predictable for the providers right now with the system we have. So um, my hope is that if we can uh, get this bill through, that we would see more providers joining networks. And again, that provides uh, more opportunity to bring costs down. Well, if folks have problems with the arbitration model, ha have them talk to Mookie Betts, right? I mean, he, <laughs> someone, he can... There's I, a thought. There's a thought. I don't know if he actually went through arbitration, but somebody like him. There's got to be someone on, on, the, you know, on the Red Sox who can talk I, about the positive aspects of the arbitration I, model. I am sure there are, and, I, and, and more importantly, I would expect that I have a staff member or two who would like to find out about that. <laughs> yeah. All they need to do is go to opening day, Senator. Come on. They can take the day off, yeah. can't they? 
Um, there, there you go. Yeah. Uh, um, a couple questions quickly because I, I want to be sensitive to your time. Um, the What's possible? Just quickly on the politics of the bill. Um, on the one hand, I would think you have hope. Um, midterms made clear that voters are concerned about health care and costs, and the candidates right. who didn't understand that, well, they, they didn't do so good, did they? Um, your, your committee also has shown the ability. I think you just uh, had an opioid uh, bill yep. passed. So you, your yep. committee has shown the ability to get done bipartisan legislation. On the other hand, you may be aware that there's not much other evidence that Republicans and Democrats are finding common ground and, and being supportive, et cetera. So are you hopeful? Can your bill cut through? Can something get done? Well, I do think something can get done. And what we heard really loud and clear from voters uh, in the midterms was how sick of the dysfunction in Congress, uh, how sick they are of the dysfunction in Congress, and also how important health care is, not just in terms of access, but in terms of cost. Uh, surprise medical bills is one issue, uh, continuing to protect pre-existing conditions in the face of an administration that keeps trying to undermine that protection is another issue. The high cost of prescription drugs is another issue. All of those things uh, are front and center for the American public. And it is really incumbent on members of Congress uh, to move forward and really work together to try to address some of those things. There is bipartisan interest in the surprise medical bill, bill issue. Uh, senators on the other side of the aisle have come together. Uh, they've got a, a, a piece of legislation too, and we've had some discussions. So I am hopeful that we will be able to move forward on this bill. Um, and to your point, that the Help Committee has been able uh, to work in a bipartisan way on critical issues like the opioid epidemic. And there's no reason we shouldn't be able to now. Now, uh, it's particularly true, and, and I hope everybody listening to this podcast uh, will remember that when constituents stand up for what they believe in and really uh, continue uh, to communicate with their uh, elected officials about how important this issue is to them, it really does make a difference, uh, as it did uh, with the proposed repeal of the Affordable Care Act in the summer of July uh, the summer of 2017. Yep. So, um, you know, it is possible. And, uh, you know, I always say my job is to follow the example of the people of my state who solve problems all the time. Mm. And so that's our job, too. Yeah. Well, it's a great example to follow. And, and yes, they have a voice. Um, a question for you to shift to uh, another committee that you sit on, Homeland yep. Security and Governmental Affairs um, yep. and Immigration. It's pretty evident at this point that Trump and um, Republicans have used the border and immigration issue to whip up their base. That was part of what was discussed around the midterm election. H however, it's equally clear, at least in my opinion, that – and you'll correct me if you disagree, of course – that Democrats need a clear policy and message on border security. And, and at this point – it's not clear that the party has got a message that has gotten through. So do you feel, one, that the Democrats have a clear message on border security and immigration? If not, what should it be? And if you do feel like they do have a message, um, why does it seem to get drowned out? Well, first of all, uh, we all agree that secure borders are essential. And there have been numerous proposals that Democrats have supported and promoted to strengthen border security. Um, and we have done that based on what our frontline experts, the 
agents at the border have been telling us about what they need. Uh, they have told us that in certain on certain parts of the border, they need uh, fencing. They need to be able to see through that fencing to see what's happening on the other side of the border. They need more technology. They need more agents. Uh, we have put together a proposal uh, in the past uh, to strengthen uh, the technology and infrastructure at the border. Um, we will continue to put forward proposals. Um, and, you know, we came to a bipartisan agreement uh, about how to fund the government, which included uh, significant additional funding uh, to help us secure the border. Uh, there was bipartisan agreement about that last year. That should continue. Uh, and there really isn't any reason for us uh, to, you know, continue to have a kind of binary view of this. Uh, there are solutions here, and I think uh, we need to just continue Continue to focus on what the frontline experts are telling us that they need at the border to make sure we have strong border security. We also know that we need uh, to have a comprehensive uh, solution to a very broken immigration system right now. And again, uh, Democrats have made strong proposals in that regard. I was part of the Common Sense Caucus uh, last winter that met, uh, that came up with uh, a proposal that had a lot of bipartisan support. And I think we need to continue to focus on solutions here because all Americans want a secure country, a secure border. Uh, they want us to approach it uh, in a way that's consistent with our values and with the common sense that has always informed uh, good policymaking in our country. And uh, I think that it, that is possible. Uh, but at a certain point, um, this comes down to whether the president is going to join in with us and try to really reach a solution here. Um, and, you know, nobody can can decide that for him. He just has to decide he's willing uh, to work with us on it. Well, perhaps you can start with uh, surprise medical bills, get the uh, Senate cooperation on that, and then you can move and solve immigration, and then you can call it a year. <laughs> that, would be, that would be the beginnings of a very good year. I appreciate that. It sure would. Senator, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Take care now. That was my conversation with Senator Maggie Hassan. I hope she gets traction on her bill. We could use some bipartisan wins, and tackling health care and medical debt would be a terrific place to start. My thanks to Senator Hassan for the conversation and you for listening. I'm Chris Reback. I'll talk with you soon.